Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark out for a while. Hello and welcome to the dark forest. I'm Jackie Cation. I'm your host of the Dork Forest. Jackie Cation. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com. FamilyPetAncestry.com was purchased by me because it made me laugh. I laughed, you guys. And it just points to JackieCation.com. Everything is available on JackieCation.com or DorkForest.com. The Dork Forest is a podcast, and it is available on iTunes, AllThingsComedy.com and probably repurposed by any number of other vehicles to put on a device of your uh, choosing. Let's do the credits. The credits. Uh, Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio. Mike Rickberg composed and sang the song you just heard, sang with his wife, Sarah. Mike will sing again his words to the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program. Vilmos fixes the website, JackieCation.com. Jackie, there, if you like the show, there are many ways to support the show, not the least of which, and not unappreciated, word of mouth. Let the, let the people know. You can tag me on Twitter at JackieCation. And or Facebook, there's a ranger page on Facebook if you want to join and talk to other rangers of the Dork Forest. And you could talk up the show. That would be a great way to support the show. Very basic way to support the show is there's a PayPal donation button. Knock yourselves out. You may donate hard cash. I have one uh, person who donates via Venmo because she doesn't like PayPal. But I appreciate whatever's happening. You can use the Amazon banner. The Amazon banner is also just a, it's available on dorkforest.com or jackiecation.com. It's a little link to Amazon, essentially. It's a portal to Amazon. You order like normal. It doesn't cost you extra. The Dork Forest gets a bit of a kickback. That is a way to support the show that doesn't cost you anything if you order from Amazon. Another way to do it would be to get merch. If you want a Ranger of the Dork Forest t-shirt or just the logo Dork Forest t-shirt, my stand-up shirt, the Spooky Reading Girl shirt, those are all available on the store page on JackieCation.com, along with my albums and uh, DVD. You can get all of my albums and DVD as downloadable. iTunes, Amazon, the special, the Horcrux special, this will make an excellent Horcrux special, is available on ComedyFilmNerds.com on their downloadable page. and you can, Or you can get a hard copy of the DVD from JackieCation.com. I have a new album, speaking of which, just came out March 3rd, 2017, to, uh, I did good, you guys. I was on the top of the list on Amazon and, and iTunes, and I never have been, so I'm going to toot my own horn. It is called I Am Not the Hero of This Story. It is available for download from Amazon, from iTunes, and it will be available from hard, co- as a hard copy at the, by the end of the month, um, I'm getting them printed up, and you can, you'll be able to order them in the store from JackieCation.com. If you are in another country besides the United States, well, first of all, congratulations. Second of all, um, you can, and iTunes or Amazon isn't working for you, email me, Jackie at JackieCation.com, and I have a way that you can just buy a $10 download card, and I just send you a picture of it, you download it, and then you PayPal me 10 bucks, and our lives are complete. These episodes are all from the Joko cruise. I went on a cruise uh, with 1,780 nerds. It was a dork forest bonanza. And I recorded six episodes, so I'm using the intro for this for all of them. The Joko cruise is based on a guy named Jonathan Colton, who is a musician and very 
talented and wonderful. And if you get a chance, it's called the Joko Nerd Cruise. And it was great that I recorded a live episode, which didn't cost me anything, so I'm just releasing it normal. And then five other episodes. Uh, none of these are, are premium episodes because they didn't cost me anything to make, so I'm just putting them out. There are premium episodes at Bandcamp. The dorkforest.bandcamp.com has probably a dozen premium episodes which were recorded live in front of an audience. Cost me a couple of bucks to make, so I, I charge a couple of bucks to buy them. They are $2 each on the dorkforest.bandcamp.com. There is also a storytelling album there that I put if you which is $4 and then 17 episodes of the Dork Forest before it was pre-recorded that I picked out at a, that I did as a 10-year anniversary album. That is free if you wish to listen to 17 old episodes of the Dork Forest. The, my favorite 17 I think from those first 215 episodes. Anyway, the only other thing at JackieCation.com that you might like to see is my calendar. When I'm doing stand-up, where I'm doing stand-up, it is at JackieCation.com. It is updated all the time. You can also follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all the things. Anyway, longest intro ever. Let's get into it because it's awesome. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I'm still on the ship, you guys. Joko Cruz, still happening. Still talking to dorks. Probably could talk to 1,780 of them. But now, <laughs> talking to talking to Hal Lublin, which you're a fancy dork. I'm a very fancy dork. It's hard to be you sometimes how fancy you are. It's difficult, but I'm willing to bear the burden so others don't have to. It's great. Hal Lublin, <laughs> uh, people might know from Twitter, which is at Hal Lublin. That's true. And uh, L-U-B-L-I-N. Yes. And you're, you're on the welcome to Night Vale. I am. And, but you have two podcasts on Max Fun. Yes. Uh, we, we got this. Yes. And tights and fights. Yes. Tights and fights, of course. Pro wrestling. Of course. Yes. We may get to it, but I went with your other dorkdom. Yes. Cause that was entertaining for me. Not yes. that I don't like the idea of both of them. Can I throw in one more podcast that yeah. I host that's not on the Max yeah, Fun yeah. Network? It's called Surprisingly Nice. Oh my God. You do do. And that's of- me with, uh, with, Travis McElroy from My Brother and My Brother and Me, which is a Maximum Fun podcast. Oh, right. Yeah, so everything yeah. I do orbits Maximum Fun. Now. Right. And Maximum Fun, the, the drive is, is this week, I believe, right? It is. It How is long does it last? It's just begun. It starts, uh, it started on the 20th and it runs through March? the 31st, I believe. Okay. So it's the last two weeks of March. Yes. And oh. our, and our first episode, assuming this has come out the 20th or beyond. Right. Uh, the, our first episode is now available for download of the drive, which is us. With Weird Al Yankovic talking about Monty Python songs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, you know, as, as a fundraiser for Nerdist, which doesn't ever need to happen. Um, <laughs> uh, Chris, you listen? Anyway, so, uh, you guys are good. It's fine. <laughs> You're good. It's all working out. You're not living check to check. You and the lady. Uh, so, um, but. The, be fun to do a Jackie and Lori, the first one, because yeah. it was such a disaster. And, and we have five <laughs> in the can that Lori's like, just bury them. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, those could be moneymakers at one point because people will be like, what was it? And yeah. It's like, well, we didn't know that anyone would listen. So we named too many names, probably. <laughs> and it's a classic, classic stand-up comedy error. Yeah, anyway, of course. <laughs> so, uh, Hal Lublin, let's talk about Saturday Night Live. A let's program talk about it. I have only seen in four minute clips on YouTube. Really? Yes. So not as a, as a younger person, never as a child, watched it. Nothing. I mean, it's, we're talking about 42 years. 42 years. And I, uh, not much older than that, uh, but was available. It was available to me. Yeah. Uh, the whole time. Didn't care. Didn't care. Why Have not? Never cared about, well, now we're going to interview me. Uh, yeah, I want to find out. <laughs> sketch comedy for me mm-hmm. has to be much like, for some reason, I am more tolerant of crummy stand-up comedy than bad sketch comedy. 
Is that because with sketch comedy, there's so much invested in it in terms of we've got costumes. We build a set. There's four of you. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Because with improv, I'm even a little better with improv. Because I'm actually improv, I just feel like I'm watching somebody uh, rehearse. And, uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> which, uh, and then I saw really, really good improv. Right. And I think I saw it was Sean Conroy and Matt Besser mm-hmm. and Asshat. Sure. And I was like, Oh, I see. If you do improv for 20 years, it is a learned skill and you can be really, really good at it and you don't care. You, cause, uh, I took, I've taken some improv classes sure. and, uh, and I, I have enough experience to not just blurt out the thing that I want to blurt out, <laughs> but I know that that's what people do right. for the first six years in stand up and probably improv and probably everything. Yes. And Matt Besser and Sean Conroy. They know that the first thing they're going to blurt out isn't going to be anything horrifying. It's just it's going to lead somewhere. Yes. If they're, if they're saying something horrifying, they know that they're saying something horrifying. They're given over to the process. I, yeah. I think in terms of the leeway you'll give a performer, you'll give improv gets the most leeway because you're we're we're all bought into the premise that you're making it up as you go. Right. Then stand up, I think gets gets leeway it, as well because you know the 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 best stand ups are able to deviate. Except with the exception of Carlin, who I saw years ago. Not that he couldn't deviate, but I saw him. Did you see two shows in a row or something? No, I saw him in 97 and he he just had an album out. Mm -hmm. And I listened to the album because everything Carlin. Right. And he performed. It would be like going to see uh, whatever, going to see U2 on the Akhtung Baby tour. And all they did was perform an exact studio recreation of their album. Yes. So with the exception of him at one point. Uh, getting tangled up in his wires and having to sort of tangle around them. And right. may I curse on this? Please show? swear it up. He goes, uh, you ever, uh, you ever do this? You look like a fucking asshole. Like that was, a, <laughs> it, was it was a that funny was the moment. one riff. Yeah. And then everything else was exactly, uh, almost timing wise and everything. Uh, yeah. As opposed to like Dennis Leary, who felt a little bit looser and there are, my brother, you know, uh, was it somebody saw Leno, uh, two shows. It was a comic. It wasn't my brother. And, mm-hmm. uh, so I both shows, the eight and the 1030. And he said it was kind of fascinating because he stuck to the same beats and he did exactly the same show, both shows. Right. And, um, so yeah, I mean, with stand up, you can, you can, you, you can go see an album. Sure. Like though. It is if you don't write a set list, you don't you don't stick to the album. You end up meandering right. around the vault. Or if you're like Robin a, Williams, you just grab whatever's in your environment and right and and play with that too. Yeah. So um but, or Ian Bag, I guess. Or Ian Bag, but but sketch gets the least amount because you go, you guys rehearsed this, right? You have invested a lot of time into into these four. That's or five probably exactly why I'm yeah. But here's here's the beauty of SNL. Yes, is it's. It's always produced over the course of a week. Right. So, so I think Tuesday is the pitch or Monday is the pitch meeting. Right. Then then they're culling down sketches. They're rehearsing like maybe Wednesday, Thursday. Like Tuesday is all night writing. Yeah. Or Monday night, it's a Tuesday is all night writing. And then they're rehearsing. So they do one dress rehearsal and one and a live show. And that's day it. On, on Saturday. So it's – It's you know, more improv. Show, it's, so, it's super fresh. Yeah, I think Lauren Michaels used to say is we don't – we don't do the show because we're ready. We do it because it's 1130 on a Saturday night. Right. Right. Which, which, yeah, maybe I should. And with sketch, because my, my, yeah, I, that is might be why I judge it a little harsher just sure. because I, and I always think that it, they only have one or two jokes and then they keep going. Right. It's that, hard to like the, the, I think the SNL style tends to be the sketches tend to be long. Yeah. If they find something that works, they milk it to death. And that, that may be a function of having to come up with. 
you know, it's not like you, they have to fill the hour. You're not running Cheers where you have the same characters every week, and it's like, well, we know how they've been developing over time, so let right. else come up with new premises. This yeah. is these we've are these fill. new people, and <laughs> yeah. it's often topical. Exactly, and we have to do now. But that's when they're at their best. Yeah, because the best comedy has a point of view. Right. That's why, right. It, like early stand-ups, it's tough to watch them because they all do the same. Jokes yes. about their genitals or right. what it's like Bodily to Bodily functions. Yeah. And, and they don't make it personal. So exactly. it's with stand-up, you have to make it personal. With yes. sketch, you have to make it interesting, I think, right? Yeah, but it has to have a point of view. Okay. During election years, right. they do their best work, because, especially now, post-election, they've been – or even leading up to election. Election years are always great for them, but they've been doing some of their sharpest work. And after Trump was elected – Right, because every they, week is a shit show, if they not sharpen every their day. Teeth. Yeah. yeah. Almost to the point where you see sketches that are more message than humor. Right. And that's when it falls apart. But when, right. But when, when you're able to, you know, good sat, I think. Political comedy satire, is super hard. It is. But good satire, I think, is channeling your anger into something productive. Right. And that's not always easy to do when you have a national television show. You have a, you know, a few million people are going to watch if you have a good sketch. Yeah. Many million more will watch it. Right, right. So, so, so you've been, have you been watching it from the get? I mean, I'm I'm 40, so I st- I was born two years into I'm the 50. run. Yeah, but so. uh, I started watching. I'd say I saw my first episode when I was five. Okay, at a real young age, my That's parents were way yeah. into comedy, so I was raised on stand up and sketch. That's cool. Uh, SCTV, Robert Klein, HBO special. Right. And then Carlin, Richard Jenny, Jake Johansson. Oh, oh they uh, had a very – talk about a point of view. Your parents had one. Yes. Uh. Yes, they did. <laughs> but SNL was like – that was yeah. – they were the perfect age when right, it came it's, out. It's, it's, sort of, it's, it's sort of erudite satire and with a, with a genuine hardcore silly edge. Yeah. So that's what they – that's what – that because that that's what all of those comics make me think of that you just named Jake yeah. Johansson and Robert Klein and exactly yeah and you had a group of of performers and uh, who were also writers that came out of Second City Chicago right during the late you know they were they came through in like the late sixties early seventies so polit- politically charged yep. strong point of view a bunch of them worked with National Lampoon and did Lemmings and the Radio Hour yep and then you have Lorne Michaels who I think had worked with Rowan and Martin. Really? Who's like, who's like a, la- he had that sort How of laugh in TV Lord variety Michael's show. Now? He's gotta be in his 70s. He's a vampire. He's actually 3,000 years old. <laughs> Excellent. Is he the 2,000 year old man? Uh-huh. Finally. It is. He's, he's <laughs> he the was one. based, he, that's, that's who, that's who he based it on. Yeah, that's it's right. A, and it's a, Mel Brooks was his protege. Right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's just an interesting, it, everything about that show just intersected at the right time. Right. So um, when it started, so have you gone back and watched those seasons or do they just have best ofs? No, you can go back and I have the first few seasons of box sets and they started replaying them at a certain point so you can right. watch most of them. But the, the first episode is not, is a very different version of what it turned out to be. Okay. Carlin was the host. Okay. He was not in any of the sketches. He just did stand up as a, as an interstitial. Yeah. And the, yeah. the sketches like, you always look back at the the era of SNL that you watched when you were younger as as the best era. Okay. And a lot of people go, we can't beat the original cast. And in terms of star power, mm-hmm. it's really difficult to argue that. All the right. people – I mean the first cast had Chevy Chase, Belushi, right. Ackroyd, Garrett Morris, Jane Curtin, Lorraine Newman. Um, I know I'm forgetting someone. Gilda Radner. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And uh, George Allen Coe. 
I think oh. for just one episode. Oops. Yeah. Uh, but you know, they were all powerhouses, but the first show doesn't necessarily work the whole time. There are a lot of sketches that people are kind of sitting on their hands during. Well, and, 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 and any show takes a second to, to sort of figure out, even if they came up all, were they all second city people? Uh, most of them were. Jane Curtin wasn't. Lorraine Newman was a founding member of the Groundlings. Okay. Uh, Garrett Morris was, he'd done like Cooley High. Uh, what's that? He, uh, it was a, it is a, it was a drama from the seventies, like a dramatic film. Oh, okay. So he was like a dramatic actor that was brought in. Oh, and he interesting. never quite fit. It almost felt like they were like, well, we're all too white. We right, need to have a black guy. He, and it's and no he's knock super on talented. Him. Super talented. They were like, he can do it. But not a sketch performer. It's a different, right. being a sketch performer is, is Different than being an improviser, which is different than being stand up. Not that you can't cross over. No, no, but you have to relearn. You have to re, you have to reinvent the wheel to some extent. And yes. it's, it makes you appreciate those other tasks when you do those other tasks. Obviously. Absolutely. Those are, those are, and, and, and the people who are good at it. So yeah. Garrett, Garrett Morris was a dramatic actor and they were like, we're going to need a black guy. Yeah. You're going to be that black guy because you're really good at what you do. And he's like, mm, did you, Want me to be an architect? <laughs> yeah. Because I could also do that. <laughs> exactly. But also like a job can... paying job? Sure. I'll take it. <laughs> right. Well, that's, I mean, you're like, how can I? It's, uh, it's classic. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, wow. but it's, you know, it's not, there's no era that's perfect. Yeah. It's always hits and misses, even in a show. There are very well, few shows. Well, in 42 years. Yeah. 42. I mean, Will it continue when Lauren Michaels eventually, uh, is, is stabbed to death with a spike? Uh, what's gonna happen? I mean, well, I mean, that guy, I mean, and the thing is, is, is some years he's vilified and some mm-hmm. years he's canonized. Yes. And you're like, well, who's the real Lauren Michaels? Well, who cares? He's probably a whole person. Yes. And, uh, exactly. It's always, every bad year they're like, well, is SNL being canceled? Is right. this the final season? And there have been some terrible, sh- it's usually terrible when it's in transition. Right, where like sort of three or five of the st- like initially, what were there six? You say six or seven people? There were you just see. named them. It's, it was uh, <laughs> so it was yeah. Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, uh, John, John Belushi, Gilda Radner, Jane Curtin, Lorraine Newman, Garrett Morris. Okay, that was sort of your original core cast. George yeah. Allen Coe was there, but sort of went away. Right. Um, Michael O'Donohue was sort of a featured player, but but right. he was more of a writer than anything else. And this is in like seventy seven. This is 75. 75. Okay, 1975. Okay. Then after the first season, Chevy Chase was the breakout star of the first season. Okay. And he left to go do movies. Fletch, of course. He, yeah, left to do Fletch. <laughs> he left to go do all the Fletches. Yeah, he was, he was, uh, he'd signed a nine Fletch deal. <laughs> they only got to two of them. Right. I don't know if you've read any of the Fletch books. I uh, haven't, but I've uh, read their... Well, three of the nine uh, are pretty good, actually. I would say two and a half. Uh, yeah. Two and a half are good, and, uh, uh, and then <laughs> there's trouble. Yeah. And when he protects the president, you just want to go, stop, stop writing, Mr. Yeah. McDonald. You're done. You're uh, out of ideas. You're out of ideas. Move on to something else. He moved to Flynn is what he did. Oh, I don't know boy. if you ever read Flynn. No. Nope. Nobody has. Anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> was that a Fletch impersonator? It was a, it was a, a, an Irish, uh, Sort of cop, Inspector Flynn out of Boston. Okay. And the first two of those are pretty good, actually, right. too. So the guy has like, I mean, publishers. I blame it on them going, well, w- unless you have a new idea, I bet you could make another $12 writing this thing. Yeah. So. But he's good at writing pairs of books about right. characters. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> two for two. Yeah. So, so Chevy Chase, um, was he, Bill Murray? He left and Bill Murray was brought in. 
Oh, okay. And there, there is a, uh, a bit that he does at the end. I think it was at the end of one of the shows early in his run where he was like, I know you guys don't like me. Oh. What do I have to do? Yeah. I, I think the turnaround for him was a scene where he was in the shower and he had a microphone soap on a rope. Okay. And he was hosting, it was like he was hosting a talk show. Yep. And he's singing, he's doing his like sort of what became the lounge singer. Okay. It's like a, it's like a lot of Bill Murray just sort of unleashed. Okay. He brings in his wife and the guy, uh, the guy his wife is sleeping with. Yeah. And, but the whole time he's like, Hey everybody, it's me, blah, 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 blah. And that sort of turned, turned the tide for him. Oh, so that was like, Bill Murray trying to get into the team. After Chevy last left, they, yeah, that was they were like, you don't, you don't, you guys don't like me because I'm replacing somebody. No, actually, they I, he was another Chicago guy. Okay, so they all liked him. There is a story of Chevy Chase coming back to host and he and Bill Murray getting into a fist fight. Okay, I think because I, of Jim Belushi and and Chevy Chase didn't get along. John very or John, sorry, John Belushi. Right. Jim Belushi probably didn't like him either. Just backing up his brother, but John right. and 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 Chevy Chase didn't necessarily get along. I think. Uh, from stuff I've read because John thought he should be the star of the show. Right. And um, so he, Chevy Chase comes back and Bill Murray's looking to pick a fight. Oh, okay. Because John Belushi is his kin. Right. Um, and- so that's, well, I heard that Chevy Chase has some, I mean, he, he, he's a, he's a bit of a pill. He's that- supposedly banned from hosting the show anymore. Okay. After his last time, which was in the 90s, he was apparently very rude to people. <sighs> um, which sucks. Which does suck because, yeah. because I mean, it's hard, as always, it's hard to separate the personality from the, from the artist. But, sure. uh, as an artist, he was super likable. He, <laughs> he was. was a really funny, likable jackass. Yeah. Um, he was that Fletch character, the, the Caddyshack business. Was he on Caddyshack? No, that he was. was. Oh, he with was. Bill Murray. With Bill Murray. And they have one scene together. And that's it. Where Bill Murray comes in that is uh, completely improvised. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And I think they had they had buried the hatchet, but you know that was Bill right. Murray is a is a young upstart and yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, when you're you're 24 and you think you're you've got someone's back and yes. they didn't ask you to have it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you're like <laughs> you're actually just ruining the workplace. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> but but the worst seasons of the show were always where, where generally they at a certain point everybody sort of turns over. Okay. I think right now we're in the longest streak of of people cast blending into cast. Okay. So Lauren Michaels left the show after five years, oh. and Gene Demanian took over as producer um, in 1980. I think it's a man. Gene Demanian, yeah, Armenian. Gene Demanian. Okay. So I can't possibly. remember if it's a man or a woman. Could well, be either. Could be either. Who knows it could how to identify? Armenian. Could not be. Could we don't be. Know. Could not be. Uh, my could father be French constantly Canadian too. telling me that. Uh, the technicians were Armenian. So it's a, it's a reaching, reaching from Wisconsin when you're Armenian from Wisconsin. Yes. So, uh, anyway, how did, how did that person, how did Gene do? The Obviously terrible. not well. The show was terrible. It was called, that was when they started calling it Saturday Night Dead. Oh, geez. And that cast had. And how many seasons of that? It was one. So that cast, the people I can remember from that cast yeah. are, um, uh, Gail Mathias. Uh-oh. Gilbert Gottfried. Okay. Um, Denny Snicklets. Dillon. Denny Dillon. Denny Dillon. What did Denny Dillon do? Young Denny Dillon. She went on to play Martin Tepper's assistant on Dream On. Okay. And do other, like, really funny actress. It just right. wasn't the right fit. Well, that's, I mean, 
that 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 is something else about Saturday Night Live. If you are not a breakout star, yeah. it's too bad. It doesn't mean that you're not a huge deal. Exactly. You know? It it do, doesn't mean that you're hugely talented. It just means that for some reason it didn't gel. Yes. And um, but that was only one. So he did seventy five to eighty. Gene did. 80 to 81. Right. Uh, also in that cast, Charles Rocket, who did the news and was oh. the first person to say the F word on SNL. Okay. He said fuck during, uh, during like a news, like, oh, <laughs> fuck. Or I fucked up or something like that. Right. And it uh, was live. Yes. Okay. Joe Piscopo was in that cast. Okay. And the featured, uh, one of the featured players, if not the featured player, uh, was Eddie Murphy. Oh, he, that's right. He, he was known to have been the one who saved the, Show of yes. some sort, right? Because yeah. he was super young. Dick Ebersol took over in '81. Yep, and he kept Eddie Murphy and Joe Piscopo, and that's when they brought in like Julie Louis Dreyfus, Brad Hall, okay, uh, Richard Kroger. I forgot that Julie or Gary Louis Kroger Dreyfus was on the show. Yeah, Mary Mary Gross, Tim Kazarinsky came in during that area. That was oh, wow. this is like '81 up until '81 to '83. Okay. Um, then Lord Michaels comes back. Okay. And does one, like, all-star season. And okay. that's, they keep Mary Gross, they keep Julie Louis Dreyfus, Gary Kroger, and, uh, and Brad Hall. They add Rich Hall. Okay. Um, that's Sniglitz. That's sick. That's Sniglitz. <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried is, of course, a huge listener to yes, the Dork yes, Forest. Exactly. And is, is shaking his fist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, Martin Short. Billy yep. Crystal, mm-hmm. Christopher Guest. Oh my God. We're all in that cast. And Harry Shearer, I think. What? Might have been there. This is. Ca- yeah, he was in that cast. Of course you know, he was. It's, it's the points at this in the Dork Forest where I think, oh, I should watch that show. Yes. It. I bet you there's some, some really talented. <laughs> that was him. Yeah. Like, I came in, I have to have a successful season. Yeah. And they all signed one year deals and then Billy Crystal wanted to go spend time with his family and do right. movies. Martin Short got busy. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's, that's, that's a, a fantastic. Season. That's where you've seen the clip of the synchronized swimmers. No, it's Harry Shearer and Martin Short, who's his younger brother, who can't swim, and they want to be synchronized <laughs> swimmers. Okay, and See, so that's a funny, it's a funny premise <laughs> right there. Yeah, Martin <laughs> Short has the water wings on. Christopher Guest is doing an early version of Corky St. Clair. Okay, as their choreographer, uh-huh. he's like, "All right, you pointed, you go, hey, you." I know you, but you're not mad at him. You're just pointing. You're just pointing to him. Yeah, yeah. Oh Uh, my god, it's brilliant. All right. Well, uh, when I get off this ship, I will have YouTube. Yes, and uh, that'll uh, my okay. Go on Hulu. You can watch a ton of. Oh, it's just on SNL. There's a lot of Hulu. They have a lot of content on Hulu because NBC owns it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's plenty of back episodes of that. Exactly. Uh, That sounds. See, that's, I mean, that, traditionally, that's how I've watched Saturday Night Live. I've sure. watched clips, uh, mm-hmm. people are like, did you get to see? And, and then I read Bossy, uh, uh, the, the Tina Fey book. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that essentially is all of my knowledge about Saturday Night Live. But, um, the, the idea, did you, were there, did you have favorite scenes or do you have favorite, uh, seasons? Yes. Okay. My favorite scenes. Favorite scenes. I mean, they, right. over the course of forty-two two yeah. years, they've created so many memorable. Like it's scenes, it's characters. Yeah. Um. By the way, there's a great book. I, I yeah. think it's it's called Live from New York. Okay. And it's essentially an oral history of the show, as told by a ton of people, like writers, cat, original cast members. It's an exhaustive. 
like a tome. It, oh, right. I think it takes you through the early 2000s is when it was published. Okay. But it's a lot of like, here's what it was like, and here are the politics of the show. Here's how it was when we were on, and you know, the 70s were known for partying. Right. Because they were all wild. Right, and, and it was new. and the, Right, exactly. <sighs> and But interesting because... I wonder if that, cause those are the kind of books that I like to listen to on Audible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because, and this is an ad for Audible. No, it isn't. Yeah. I don't, they're not my stuff. <laughs> this is brought to you by CasperMattresses.com <laughs> with Audible audiobooks Adam in the Adam and Steve, pillows. get out there. And, uh, <laughs> so. Get your bark box. <laughs> the, um, MeUndies, you guys. I, I'm just, I'm trying to think of all them. Anyway, yeah, so, exactly. um, um. Stamps.com. But. <laughs> And yeah, but I I do hope it's on Audible because that is my favorite way. Because sometimes they get amazing people to do the characters. You know, right. the Sarah Vall books. She'll get all the like the cast of you know it's it's Jonathan Stewart and and, and Eric Bogosian and yeah. you know all these people doing it. And you're like, what is happening? And you're John Adams, and uh, <laughs> you're playing. Who are you? And um, so. Yeah, I'm going to definitely look for that live from New York. Yes. And so it's a giant tome and it gives you a, a it, and what's the history from the beginning to when? To the early 2000s. Uh, yeah, I guess, up until, right? up until when it was published. Yeah. Okay. And it's, it's fascinating. It's a very quick read. Right. And it's just interesting. Like it's amazing how many people they spoke with, including Bill Murray. Like the people you think these people don't have time to be. Right. In a book. Right. And, and yet you think to yourself also, it was a, it was a, such a change in their careers that they're like, I, I will be part, I want to be part of this history. I yeah. want to be part of this. If, if you get the right, um, I guess author or something. So who are your favorite, um, from like, in, let's do favorite scenes because that, that will generate favorite actors. Okay. Yeah. So, um, oh man. Like, how about, <laughs> let's start now. Let's go backwards. Okay. Oh, um, geez. I, it's hard. It's hard to think of specific stuff there. And okay. I think the cast is, Really How about strong. Laura Keitlinger? I know that she's Laura Keitlinger, still mad. She and Janine Garofalo, <laughs> yeah. the hugest, and Sarah Silverman, they were all on there around the same time. Oh, were they? Yeah, and it was close to. Like, that was like... Late 90s or... Like 90, 94, 94, okay. 95. Okay, so... I think it was the, somewhere... With Keitlinger might have been a little earlier, because right. right after that was the reset where they brought in, like, Will Ferrell, Sherry O'Terry, Molly Shannon had been there as a featured player and got carried over, Chris Kattan. Okay. Tim Meadows stuck around. Tim Meadows one of the, is one of those guys who was there for a really long time. Yep. Um, What's your favorite? Uh, can, can you think of a oh, a man. great uh, see? I'd, and to pick anybody I'll, is is oh, weird because if I pick somebody super obscure and you can't think of them, they'll they'll be slighted when they hear this. But uh, <laughs> but they can't be because they're not going to listen to it. Like a favorite time. cast member? Yeah, just like offhand. I mean, because there's political sketches. Like yeah. they they do a lot of political stuff. Yes. But then they also do a lot of just. Um, silliness. Yes. Like that's what, that's, a, that's some of the stuff that I truly love. Like I do love Weekend Update because it's usually pointed mm-hmm. and smart. Yes. And they're like, Hey, look how dumb, uh, politicians, uh, what, look at this horrible decision. It's almost always great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I love, I think Phil Hartman is oh, one right. of, if not the greatest cast member in the history of the show, him doing, uh, the Frank Sinatra show. Okay. Yeah. So he's hosting a talk show as as later era Frank Sinatra. This was written by Robert Smigel. Okay. And it's just him insulting everybody who's on the show because it's not as tough as him. And they have, <laughs> I think Sting was on playing Bono or something. Oh wow. He, or or he's, he was on playing Billy Idol. He goes, you know, they're old fart. And Sinatra goes, I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. 
It's just such a great. There is, there yeah. is, here's a great sketch. It's, uh, it was a talk show with, it was, they used to do a bit where it was Tonto. Okay. Tarzan and Frankenstein. And they were either singing or doing, or they, this one was a talk show. Frankenstein, where's the racially insensitive part of that that I, I need know. to come on? Right? Yeah. And, uh, so it's, it's Lovitz as, uh, as Tonto. John Lovitz as Tonto. As, as Tonto. Kevin Nealon is, um, is, is, uh, uh, Tarzan. Yep. And then Phil Hartman is all done up as Frankenstein. And they, none of them can speak in a complete sentence. Right. Oh, right. And they get to a point where, they're, they talk about they're they're getting they get to fire. Almost every sketch ends with Phil Harvey going fire, bad, and then crashing through a wall. But for some reason, they got him to break, and he yeah. cannot get through the line "fire bad." Yeah, he's shaking and Trying laughing. Not to laugh. Yeah, and to see him break, yeah, is one of the like most because Jimmy Fallon laughs all the time, right? Right. Everything to yeah. the point where it's like. It's not even ruining the sketch. It just feels like he thinks. Are it's you at work? Clever. Yeah, it's a yeah. I mean, to 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 have them lose, you know, essentially forget they're they're having such a good time watching the other two that they forget that they two are at work. Yeah, that's a that is kind of an inside baseball kind of wonderful thing to see. With yes, the truly gifted, and uh, I remember Carol Burnett as mm-hmm. a kid, and uh, and just. So, some of those are just clips. There's like someone put together all of them breaking yes. at some point. And you're like, well, I kind of actually want to see the sketch too. But Harvey, uh, Cor- but Harvey Corman breaking was so, uh, there's something a, a little bit, even though you wanted to see the sketch, it was a little bit more endearing than just oh. the sense of like, it just, sometimes it felt like Jimmy Fallon was just a fan of the show. Although yeah. I will say he, he came back to host in 2011. He did the Christmas episode. Okay. And I think it's, I think it's the single best episode of the show ever. The Jimmy Fallon hosting of Saturday Night Live. Yes. From Christmas of? Of 2011. Really? Okay. Yes. I think it was 2011 or 12, somewhere in there. Just, uh, because of his work or because of everybody's work? Like start to finish, it's? His work is great. Yep. And all the sketches are funny. Okay. Like they all work. There's a sketch where he's, um, Beethoven and he's just finished a concerto. <laughs> and everybody's applauding. There's like the full cast are all yeah in there somewhere, and then they start playing this vamp, and he introduces the band. Yeah, like he's like he's just on a Vegas show, right? And each one As is like Beethoven. he's got chlamydia. His <laughs> wife is twelve years old. Let's say hello to the piccolo player. They each do a little solo. <laughs> it's just a fun character yeah. parade. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that is. Yeah, I don't know. Um this almost feels like when somebody describes different sketches on Howard Stern. Yes. I'm like, oh, that sounds really funny. I'm never going to watch Howard Stern. I'm never going to listen to Howard Stern. But now I got, you know, I want to go back and look at these. These look great. Yes. <laughs> so. Yeah. They're really, they're really funny. He was a great, he still is a really great impressionist, but he, yeah. and he said in interviews, he never wanted to do an impression twice. Oh. And I don't know why that was like a principal thing for him. Mm-hmm. I guess he didn't want to be pigeonholed, but. That was, he he did, he does a great Seinfeld and he did that in his first episode. Okay. On like a they, that was one of the early Celebrity Jeopardies. Okay. So he was on as Seinfeld. It's always I think weird Seinfeld when was there when comedy maybe. people do comedy people. Yes. It always feels super meta. I was like, I think Seinfeld would have been on. Yeah. You, you could have got that guy. With, uh, and, uh, I, I love um, 
when a Domian does, um. Oh, anybody. Like Andy Kindler? Or... Yes, his Kindler. <laughs> right. When he picks, like, you, or he does Marin. Yes. Or he does Maria. Yes. Where you're like, what is happening? You, these are, it'd be like me going, well, let me do an impression of my brother. Yeah. And, <laughs> except for that more people know those people, but still, not that many, not yes. everybody. <laughs> but here, there's some YouTube video of him. Doing the prelude to Andy Kindler's State of the Union address at Just for Laughs, where he comes out as Kindler, he's like, uh, I forget what it is. Like, there's catchphrase. Yeah, like, he's like, insert something that was funny there. Yeah. Or whatever. Like, exactly. He does like, you're here for the fun, the stars, a third thing. <laughs> it's just so good. Yeah. And let's get James Adomian on so you can hear what Andy Kindler actually sounds like. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or listen to an old episode of The Dork Forest where uh, Andy Kindler's dorkdom, uh, sad sack comic books. Really? Uh, like Harry Crumb. Like private sad sack of the uh, army? The private sad sack yeah. and his slice of life uh, comic book <laughs> tales. And uh, I was just like, really not depressed enough? Let's go look into that guy who lives in Cleveland. And uh, <laughs> he's like, but it's so important. I was like, yes, yes it is. Because sure. it's The Dork Forest. A safe space. Yes. Uh, what about Fred Armisen? I love Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen is a delight. He's so great. He's so good at doing meta without being mean. Right. His comic, like the the because I the can't... topical comic. Have you ever seen him do the topical comic? No. So he'll he'll he did a weekend update bit where he comes out. And he's like, my style is I just look at the the newspaper and I just riff on headlines. <laughs> he goes, all right, let's take a look at what's in there. Oh, uh, Saddam Hussein discovered in a spider hole. Why? <laughs> I mean, you can't. Let me take a look. And then yeah. at the end, he just goes on this jag. Of, I mean, if you thought of the children and the point being when you're let's take a marriage, for example, <laughs> uh, you know, like a snack bar would be. And then they cut him off. Right. He also he just did all premises. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One time he came, he did a blind prop comic. Yeah. Where he goes, it sure is crazy on uh, airplanes. And he starts reaching around in a box. Yeah. And then he leans over to Seth Meyers and goes, can you go um, you, uh, reach in? There's a pair of headphones with uh, uh, like uh, a sign on it that says, shut up that baby. <laughs> and then he goes, you see babies on airplanes, huh? Babies. <laughs> and then he, uh, he did a deaf, he did a deaf comedian where he did everything in sign language. Right. Uh, I can't remember. It, oh, I think it was, I, I think it was like intensely racist. Or oh, something like that. And yeah, he, yeah. Kenan Thompson was his, oh, really? was his translator. Was his translator? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Cause he was deaf and Kenan Thompson had to say it. Yes. Oh my God. That is, <laughs> it's a, a delight. It's, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, I remember when he got, we were sitting around, uh, one night and, uh, just chatting, chatting it up. And, uh, I was like, you know, congratulations on, on getting Saturday Night Live. This is amazing. Yeah. And he said, what are you, what are you, what, what are you working on? What are you doing? And I said, well, I'm going to Vegas next week. I'm going to do 14 shows in Vegas for a nickel. And, uh, and he was like, Oh, oh man, I, you know, I wish I could do Vegas. That'd be so great. And I was like, I think you could do Vegas, Fred. <laughs> and he said the, like two of the greatest things I've ever heard. First of all, he said, no, no, I could not do the road because no one is going to sit around and wait for my bullshit where I change costumes, Jackie. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then the other thing he said, he said, you know, and, and, and I just have to remind myself that you get what you get, you know, you get to do the thing you get to do and just be happy with that because it's amazing whatever you do get to do. Yeah. And it really, I mean, it informs a lot of any sort of, whatever I feel, any twinge of jealousy or, or, right. hey, why don't I get, you know, you're just like, well, 
you didn't get to. Uh, right. Keep writing. Uh, <laughs> keep totally. <them> <laughs> exactly. Uh, have you ever seen Fred Armisen's Fit for Tappin video? Nope. It's him. Fit this for tapping? Fit for tapping. Okay. He, <laughs> this is pre-SNL where he goes, he's never danced before in his life. He makes a pair of tap shoes. Yeah. Makes a terrible headshot and then goes to a live dance, like a tap dance audition. Yeah. Which they film. And they, the way they do it is they are, they're all in a circle and they all tap. Mm-hmm. Like with their feet, yep, to keep time, and then each person does a solo. When they get to him, he just keeps tapping his foot, <laughs> and the second time around, he just shuffles his feet around like crazy, yep. and then eventually gets kicked out. But watching him audition, and it was every, a real he's audition. One who never breaks. Yeah, yeah, he it was does a real audition. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It used to genuinely kind of make me a little uncomfortable. I saw him do, and I think he did it on Conan, uh, where he did a cop. Uh, he did a, a, a Minneapolis police officer uh-huh. uh, teaching somebody how to uh, do self-defense. And I can't even remember what the the punchline was because yeah. it was so real. Uh-huh. I mean, the guy, you know, you meet these people who like if you if you poured any script into that guy, you'd be like, oh, that guy exists now. It's sort of like Steve Carell. Yes. Um, he's, was he on Saturday Night Live? He hosted. He's, a, he's one of those guys who auditioned and didn't get cast. Oh, okay. But his wife, Nancy, was on. That's right. Yeah. For a year or two. That's right. Uh, I knew that there was some Saturday Night Live. Cause yes. I, I saw Nancy the other night. Yes. And we did a benefit for, uh, for, uh, there were, uh, at risk youth, oh. 11 to 13, who wrote, uh, 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 plays. Oh, cool. At little plays. And, and we did scenes from the plays. As a fundraiser. Oh, wait, what, which? Um, Miley Flanagan, uh, Melissa Denton, um, um I... Unusual Suspects. Okay. That's the name of the, unusualsuspects.org, oh, cool. you guys. Guys, come Dash on. off. And get a free and... Casper mattress. With <laughs> and don't forget. Which code and, charity. Uh, use my Amazon banner, you guys. <laughs> and, uh, so, that one's real. Okay, so. <laughs> and, uh, so, okay, so what, yeah, when was, when Nancy was on, Nancy Wall. Yep, 95 the, to 96. 95 to 96 she yeah. was on, and then she went to D- Daily Show, I think, right? Yes, that's where she, uh, yeah, I don't know if she went directly there, was there a year or two after. Cause that, that, and I think that they were both from Chicago as well. Most of the, st- most of the, I read this in the Tina Fey book is that a lot of the actors are from Chicago. Yes. And a lot of the writers are from Harvard. Yes. And yeah, Conan O'Brien was a Harvard guy who right. went there. Um, I'm hard pressed to think of others, but I know that well, they're there. Tina Fey said that it was a perfect kind of storm of, of sort of, Kind of Goomba Chicago dudes and super elite Harvard guys. Yes. And together there's, you know, somebody's getting a wedgie, but they're expounding something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. It's a good, perfect mix. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice mix. You have mix. to have both. If you have both, then it's clearly going to be ridiculous. Yeah. And awesome. So. Yeah. And now is, I'd say the last. 20 years have been the best <laughs> time for women on the show. Okay. Like strong women. Tina Fey, Maya Rudolph. Oh, right. Molly Shannon, Anna Gasteyer, mm-hmm. Amy Poehler, Tina, um, and now Vanessa Bayer, Kate McKinnon, Kristen Wiig. Okay. So many, like, fantastic, Leslie Jones, so many fantastic. Right. I've seen Ghostbusters. Females. I know what's going on. You know. I, yeah, I got some, I got some of those names in my head. <laughs> the rest of them I do not. So what are they, yeah, what, uh, how are they, are they casting? Like, you know, you hear all the, all I hear are the criticisms. Sure. And, um, and I don't watch a lot, of, enough television to, uh, to check these <laughs> criticisms. I just repeat them. No, I don't repeat them. Just but lump I mean, in with the herd and get it going. Get angry. Get angry. Fix it, you guys. Is, uh, well, cause they're, to some extent, 
the, I mean, they're not doing a lot of blackface anymore on television. Right. That, that's been brought down, but they're still yes. sticking men in women's clothes and dashing them off in heels because it's hilarious. They do and, sometimes, but not as now the women are so good. They're like, how about a woman plays a woman? Yes. Or, you know, and, and you can, you can do that. And I, and, and I get it. It's actors and there's a twist and it's. Yeah. Have you ever seen Kristen Wiig's work on the show? Any I've, of the sketches or anything? I've seen, I've seen, uh, the Hillary Clinton. Sure. And I. That's, uh, uh And that isn't, and that's Kate, Kate McKinnon. McKinnon's doing that's it. not even, so no. Kristen so Wiig, I'm going to go with a no. She did a ton of different characters. One of my favorites, they would do, uh, a Lawrence Welk show sketch. Yeah. With Fred as Lawrence Welk goes, all right, Pardo, Pardo, here from the Finger Lakes, we have, <laughs> uh, the McKenzie sisters. And then it would be, they would be in their finery and it would yeah, be like some sparkle. three beautiful sisters. Yep. And then, uh, Krista Wiggs got a forehead the size of a billboard. Right. And they, baby they, doll hands for, uh, baby doll arms for hands. Right. So they big, jack her. And one giant snaggle tooth. And they just jack her up with these yeah. three gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, uh, they're like, uh, sisters come and sisters go. We're all together, sisters. And they're talking about their men. They're like, yeah, yeah. with my husband, with my boyfriend, <laughs> with my fiance. And then Christopher goes, with my by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great heightening. And it's right. always like she ate a cat. And, and was the way that she bad. sings it. And yeah, it's they get just, to her thing. She's like, I, went, I found a cat and I ate the cat and I cooked the cat. And then I buried it in the yard. Is that bad? Do, 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 do. <laughs> She's another one who never broke. But Right. Uh, I, I Another great Fred Armisen sketch, though. Yep. Bill Hader is a therapist. Okay. Who's presenting a play to a group of people. Okay. He's like, I work with, uh, with patients who have uh, – they have short-term memory loss. They're not able to retain memory. But okay. due to my work, they're about to perform an entire one-act play and they will not forget one word. All right. So he's in the play and he's sitting there and in comes Fred Armisen in like a New York Knicks jersey. Okay. The hat on and can't – like comes in and just goes, line – and just nobody <laughs> remembers anything. And the whole time, Bill Hader is sitting there pulling the newspaper down going, honey, it's good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Just like the lines. Oh, give feeding the lines. <laughs> feeding like, the lines to them. And none of them remember. None of them remember. They don't know where they're going or what they're doing or right. why they're there. It's okay. so good. Right. That is that is just hilarious. <laughs> I just, yeah, I want I, – I, I think I want to watch it now. Yeah. Why wouldn't I? Why would I want Why to watch it? Why wouldn't you? The late so, 80s was a great time. Yep. Dana Carvey. Okay. Uh, that's Phil Hartman, um, Jan Hooks. Okay. And Nora Dunn, Victoria Jack. Like, just oh, wow. a great yeah, yeah. group of performers. And that was like a bounce back year. So they had the all-star year. Yep. I know where I could run this for three hours. Please. Where, what time are we at? Just oh, do a time oh check. you get another 20 minutes. Fantastic. Knock so, yourself out, man. And so. Uh, after that all-star year. Yep. Lauren Michaels like, this show is not about established stars coming in. This is about giving younger voices a chance to develop. So, yep. so his cast was Randy Quaid, Joan Cusack, yep. Robert Downey Jr., Anthony Michael Hall. What? John Lovitz, Denitra Vance, Terry Sweeney, not, uh, female Terry Sweeney, male Terry gay Sweeney. Terry okay. Sweeney. Um, and is that it? Am I forgetting someone? 
I'm sure I'm forgetting someone. But that was that's an amazing cast. That was their cast, but it they didn't make sense for the sh- not all of them were the Robert Downey Jr. is not a sketch player, right? Neither was Anthony Michael. Anthony Michael Hall was 18 years old, right? When they cast him, oh my god, just not the right age, right? Eddie Murphy did it, but that was lightning. You yeah. can't recreate that. It, Eddie Murphy's a he's a completely he's a person unto himself, exactly. It turns out that guy yeah. is that guy. Cannot be replicated. <laughs> yeah, it's um. Wow. And they, Holy smokes. They ended that season, which was panned right. by critics, with all of the cast trapped in a fire. The room was on fire. <laughs> and uh, That's a very funny sketch. Lord Michaels grabs John Lovitz and pulls him out. And that's it? <laughs> and then it's who's going to survive for next season. That was the cliffhanger that ended that season. <laughs> the whole – that – how meta is that? <laughs> I mean that's – it is pretty self-referential sometimes, right? Yes. Because people break and people – talk about being in a sketch while they're sometimes, in a sketch. Sometimes they do. They try not to, obviously. Yeah. I mean, in an ideal world, you're just doing a sketch. Absolutely. You get the laugh. You get the hell out. Yes. You do another sketch. Absolutely. Uh, but I suppose if you, if, if, especially if the cast is on fire like that, that you should, to light them on fire is actually hilarious. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to burn them down. To yeah, restart. exactly. Just, uh, we have to rebuild. And that was another one where this could be the last season because it didn't go well. And right. then 80, 86 to 87, was such a strong – that cast was so good. Mm-hmm. And, and Carvey was like the breakout star. They had Dennis Miller right. before anybody knew exactly how conservative he was doing Weekend Update. And he was a great – I mean he's, he's – Yeah, Dennis Miller just lost – for some reason he just bought into his own hype Yeah, and then lost his mind. I ran into him. I've met him twice, uh-huh. and uh, so, which means I don't know him. Right. Uh, just so everyone knows, uh, I opened <laughs> for him accidentally. Uh, he didn't have an opener in Reno, mm-hmm. and um, I was doing Catch Rising Star in Reno. Mm-hmm. My career's on fire, you guys. I've always, <laughs> always do the finest gigs ever, and uh, and so I'm doing this catch uh, in 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 the Reno Silver Silverado Hotel or whatever. Uh-huh. And in the basement, there's a theater that uh, he's doing. Uh, Dennis Miller is doing, and so they they come up and they're like, "Hey, he said he's only going to do forty five. Can you do uh, a half hour in front of him?" And I was like, uh, "Is there money?" Yes, uh, of course I can. Right. And uh, <laughs> and so I go down, and this was only like five or six years ago, and so I go up, and I had I had on tape because I recorded it because I thought, "Oh, um, it's a great audience. Uh, going to beat the me recording up in the four wall upstairs." Right. So. Um, the, on the end of the the end of my set, Dennis Miller says to me, "You can hear him because we're across on the stage." And he goes, "Has Jay seen you?" And I said, "Jay who?" And he goes, <laughs> "Leno." And I was like, "Oh no, don't be ridiculous." And uh, so, <laughs> so maybe it was ten years ago. But um, and then the other time, I was opening for Brian Regan mm-hmm. in uh, Santa Barbara, and he lives in Santa Barbara, as does Bo Derek, and that guy. Who she goes out with, who's famous, who was in Northern Exposure as the radio guy, who uh, was in Sex and the City oh, uh, uh, as the love interest. And the guy from My my Big Fat Greek Wedding. From my Big Fat Greek Wedding. I don't remember and his And the name? three of them, I guess, very conservative. And, really? Uh, yes. And they all came. And the only person who was nice to me out of the three of those banana heads uh, was Bo Derek. And, uh, and I was like, <laughs> and, uh, first of all, I was blown away that I was meeting Bo Derek. Right. Of course. <laughs> who, by the way, still a 10, 62. Really? Yeah. Turns out that bone structure. That keeps going. Oh, mazel tov. So, mazel tov to her, indeed. Yeah. 
and she was very nice to me. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, but he was very funny on yeah. that show. He was, a, cause the, he's so good at delivering. There's such a rhythm to his jokes. It doesn't matter what he's saying. Right. As long as it, and if he has script, then he's saying the sort of the right things. Yes. And th- this is, I weed off, of course, uh, but his stand-up, when, when he started buying into his own hype and he yeah. started going purposefully obscure mm-hmm. instead of just doing, it'd be like me doing nerd jokes only because I have, you know, I have a thousand people who love those nerd jokes and I'm like, right. Yeah, yeah, but they have the the rest of their brains work too. They also like a weird dog joke. Uh, they have dogs. They're also people. And uh, talk about the rest of it, right? Yeah. So, but he, you know, he kept like you're like nobody wants to hear about the Peloponnesian War right now. No. It's uh, and why do I have to Wikipedia? Plus, you're on Monday Night Football. Please stop. Yes, yes. And uh, but he did, and he, but he really wasn't didn't do sketches, right? He just did weekend. Right. Very rarely, he was in the penis sketch. Which was a Matthew Broderick sketch where they're at, he's at a nudist colony for the first time. It's like, oh, hey, okay. everything's normal here. Right. And all they do is go, hey, nice penis. And they <laughs> all they do is talk about each other's penises. They must say penis <laughs> nine billion times over the course of the sketch. Right. Which is which is funny for 45 seconds. Yes. How long did that sketch go on? Uh, it's still happening right now. <laughs> they haven't finished filming it. <laughs> right. Because everyone has a seven-year-old in them. Who, yes. And then the phone rang, you guys. Oh, that must uh, be the fine folks over at Blue Apron. If you want a home-cooked meal. I'm recording a dork forest. This is how ironic that it would happen. It only happens in my house. Hello? <laughs> hey, Danielle. <laughs> yeah. Sure, I should be fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If that's the only time. Um, yeah, and just uh, ping Gail, and I'll ping her as well, and, and we'll knock it out. Oh, fair enough. And Hal uh, Loveland says hello. Oh, hello, Hal. Thank you. Okay, bye. I knew it was her. She's setting up um, a Gail Simone one. So there you oh, go. It awesome. was Dork Forest related. Sweet. She's so the, the best. Danielle's the best. She can do whatever she wants anytime. Right. And uh, Rangers of the Dork Forest, uh, it was a un- – usually it's just uh, a sales call because I forgot to turn the uh, phone off in my house. <laughs> uh, so this was actually uh, podcast related. Fantastic. Uh, okay. So, uh, yeah. So uh, I forget what we were talking about though. Uh, we were talking about the penis sketch. Oh, that's that right. That's still, still going, going on. on. Yeah, a lot of okay. the sketches are too. It's it's tough. I took a class once from uh, a guy named Michael McCarthy who wrote for SNL in the early eighties and it's okay. a second city guy yeah. for Sesame Street. But he, I took a sitcom pilot writing class mm-hmm. with him and an SNL sketch writing class. Okay, and it is hard to write a sketch. Like they need to be long. Normal, like your instinct when you're a sketch writer is like a. Uh, he used to say a good sketch is like a, is like a rock and roll song. You're out in three minutes or less. Right. But these, because they have to fill time, instead of writing, you know, 10, uh, two and a half minute sketches. Yeah. 
write five five minute sketches. They uh, they need to be longer. Right, because then they because they have to reset everything. They yeah. have to get everybody in their costumes. It's the Fred Armisen stand up problem. That's right. And, uh, exactly. <laughs> so I wonder. Let's fix it. No, okay. uh, here's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. It isn't broken. We have notes. No one has any problem with this except me. No, so, there are a lot of people who are like, yeah. well, it's weird. The endings aren't always so great. It'd be kind of great. Like if you were going to write, like, let's say it's a synchronized swimming thing. Uh-huh. Uh, you've got, uh, that sketch joke ends at two and a half minutes. How great would that be? Yep. Two thirty. They mm-hmm. get out of the pool. They continue the sketch. New sketch, same outfits. Five yep. minute sketch. That's right? like the Monty Python or uh, Mr. Show style of <laughs> let's connect these sketches. Right. They do, they do callbacks and mm-hmm. they, which uh, do they, now here's the other thing. I've never seen Mr. Show. Oh, Mr. Right. Show's great. Yeah, yeah. Monty Python, as we, has already been established. Yes. Uh, I've also never seen. But you know Monty so, Python has connective tissue. I know that they all, that those two, uh, tend to like call back and within the same show yes. they're like let's check back in with the fishing guys yes and uh you check back in and they have another sketch but do, do they go back to back they uh or do they call back to it they they call back there was an snl once where they called back they did something early on and then they called back to it in the last sketch of the night i wish i could remember it's escaping me right now okay but it was very rare i was like oh yeah i can't believe they did that Right. Um, but I, I, I've always liked the idea of that, uh, with, the, with Mr. Show and, and Monty Python. Yeah, they had a, th- Mr. Show was almost more of a through line. Like they set up, Bob and David set up a premise at the top yep. that pays off at the end. Oh, okay. And the sketch, like it, there's an odd, there is an odd segue into a sketch and then that, and then it sort of goes wherever it goes and by the end, they've come back full circle somehow. Which, which is, is, I mean, there's absolutely no, it's not that I don't, I, I, I've been laughing at the descriptions of this right. sketches. There's no reason for me not to watch these things. It's just, I don't know. I'm rereading a really shitty novel. I guess is what, what I'm doing instead of, right, right. instead of getting uh, current references. Uh, so I'm busy. Really? Nobody wants to talk about my Dragon Riders of Pern that I'm rereading? Fantastic. And uh, so <laughs> completely insane. Yeah. But, um, but I do, I, I like the idea, but, and so, but uh, if it were SNL where they don't do a through line, I'm just saying right. is that half of the sketch could be dick in a box. Yes. And then afterwards they're having lunch and their dicks are in a box. Uh, yes. That like, would be kind of hilarious because they're still, they're still in that, they're, they're still in their outfits. Right. They would have to be a slight set change. Um, I think, I think it's more how the stuff is written because mm-hmm. everybody go, you know, they don't sit necessarily in a big writer's room right. and go, all right, now we're all going to write this sketch. We're all going to write that sketch. You break off and you're, you're constantly Solo. trying to get stuff on the air. If you're a writer, you're trying to get stuff on the air. Right. If you're a performer, you're trying to get yourself on the air. Right. So Don't the performers have to write too? You have to learn to write for yourself. You have to yeah. be able to write for yourself. But also you need the writers. If you're new, mm-hmm. there's an established uh, group of writers, an established cast. Yeah. Then – they they don't know what you're capable of and what right. you can do. So you have to find people. You have to sort of pitch yourself from from what I understand. I'm speaking as if, you know, when I was on the show in 93, yeah. it was right. Farley and Sandler and Spade and Rock just hanging out in a dressing room. <laughs> right. Talking about how I could use them. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, those guys all, it's too bad that their careers didn't work out. I know. Um, I feel bad for them. It is so hard. Man, talk Farley. Talk about a guy. Yeah. Virtuoso. Just uh, like. Big guy in a little coat, right? Big guy in a little coat. 
uh, Matt Foley motivational speaker. Look okay. up that one. Matt Foley vo- the motivational ver- the speaker. The very first one. Mm-hmm. It, it would be with uh, Christina Applegate was the host. Oh, really? And it was essentially a sketch he had done at Second City when he was on main stage. Yeah. With uh, Bob Odenkirk. I think Tim Meadows might have been in that. Jill well, Talley, I think, maybe was in that cast. Okay. Uh, but he's he's this motivational speaker who's brought in to speak to this couple's kids. Right. Who were caught uh, with with marijuana or something. Or something. Uh, I can't believe I just called it marijuana. Instead <laughs> of, you know what? I just yeah. don't. It's very clear. Pot. I'm not in that yeah. pot. Yeah. Some sort you know, of jazz weed. cigarettes. Yeah. Jazz cigarettes. Uh, <laughs> jazz hands. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. Hand me a cigarette. Yeah. Hand me a cigarette that I has the gotta set. have cigarettes. <laughs> um, but he's brought in to speak to them, and all he talks about is how he lives in a van down by the river. He's been divorced three times. Oh my god! And he lives in a van down by the river. And he just oh, so yells. He's constantly everything with him was he's so intensely physical. Yeah, like his whole he used his body as a tool. Did not care what he crashed into. Right. Just like the stories about him. There's a really good documentary on Netflix. I can't remember the name of it offhand about Chris Farley. Okay. Made by one of his brothers. Okay. Maybe Kevin. Um. Oh, yeah. I see those guys around sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, the brothers? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he was a guy who just always needed to be loved and was yeah. really sweet, but couldn't ever, he just couldn't overcome his demons. He needed a motivational speaker. He needed his we, own motivational right, speaker. Right, because we all need to be loved. And there's that there's that realization where you're just like, okay, get it together. You yeah. don't need absolutely every person to love you. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, grow up a heartbeat and not you don't have to grow up the whole time, you know. It just it just the the weird realization is like a whole another part of your body unlocks. Yeah. Your brain where you're like, "No, it turns out I'm still going to be that kid when my parents got divorced, shucking and jiving, but uh I definitely <laughs> need to grasp that they don't have to like me." Yes. <laughs> so Absolutely. He never got that lesson. He didn't get that lesson, which is too bad because he was such a great I mean, what were the what were his movies? Because uh, there was the transition from some of these people that yes. got to go to do movies. Yes, he was in. Uh, he did this. He did a small role in Airheads. Okay, which was an Adam Sandler movie. Mm-hmm. Then he was uh, he was in uh, Billy Madison as oh, the right. bus driver who eats everybody's lunch. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Come have a banana. Um, <laughs> and his movies were Tommy Boy. Oh, that's right. Uh, Black Sheep. Those are the two he did with David Spade. Right. Um, I think his last one. Was the one with Matthew Perry? It's not Wagons East because that's John Candy's last film. It's, um, it's interesting the transition from the from doing that to which is it's 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 an it's another one of those things. You're like, well, you're good at this. Now we're going to give you. You're really good at five minute sketches. Yeah. If you could carry this ninety minute movie now, and and, and he he did with Tommy Boy. It was a huge hit. Right, that was a huge, huge hit. Huge hit. And and some of the others did obviously. I mean yeah. Eddie Murphy and and um. I mean, there were people who could do it, and yeah. there were people who could not. But um, I saw a weird Will Ferrell in Spanish. Um, oh, the casa! Yeah. I bought it because it was almost the greatest movie that I've ever seen. Yep, it was so close to being Blazing Saddles. Mm-hmm. It was like genuinely like a hair's breadth. The only problem was the casting of Will Ferrell because <laughs> Will Ferrell was too old for the part. Right. Because he nailed it. He nailed the part. But he it should have been done by like a Cleavon Little. I mean, it should have been right. a guy who was in his late 20s. And um, it's too bad because – and I bought it anyway because <laughs> I loved it. I loved – it was <laughs> such a dumb, awesome – like indictment on the whole Mexican U.S. thing. Yeah. That I was like, I am uh, completely on board. <laughs> <laughs> Will Except- Ferrell, 
he was one of those guys who you could tell he was a star, and I didn't like him the first season. I right, he he's hit an- and miss sometimes. Annoying. Yeah. The, the one sca- for the very first uh, show of his season that I think was hosted by Mariel Hemingway. Really? He, he and Sherry Ot- – no, he and Nancy Walls are a couple. Okay. And Mariel Hemingway and her husband are there, and they're in the backyard, and yeah. he's talking to them, just having normal conversation every once in a while. He's like, hey, Todd, can you get down off that shed? And then it just gets, get off the shed! Get off the damn shed! And then he just turns back, these hot dogs will be done in about five minutes. Who likes relish? Right. He does an amazing switch. Yes. The guy, I mean, some people cannot do it. He turns it on and off, and I think... I'm trying to think of other people from the show that do that, that, that I've only seen, you know, in, but it might be, yeah, I don't That's know. That's unique to him. Yeah. And that, he was one of those guys where like, if you didn't get him right away, he never changed what he did. You just got on board. Right. Right. And you went, oh, well, if he's turning us, then he'll yeah. do anything. I know we're running shorter on time. Right. We need to talk about hosts. Oh, I was just about to ask you about your, because, because. This is what happens when two podcasters get together. Exactly. We're you both know. sitting here going, what's the time? We got structure here. I think we're close. And you probably saw me just write down a, a number. Anyway, so, uh, but I think it was, yeah, what I usually do, cause I pull out a, I like to pull out a clip uh-huh. and put it on YouTube. Okay. Uh, as a taste of the show. All right. So, um, that's why I write down the time code. Nice. It's a little glimpse, Rangers. Anyway, so, uh, what, uh, yeah, who are your favorite hosts? Steve Martin. Oh, really? Great host. He's hosted. Was he ever on the ca- in the times? cast? No, he just hosted so often that in it the seventies that you thought, oh, he well, was... he's, surely he's a cast member. Surely, yeah. Uh, Alec Baldwin, another yep. all-time great. Yeah. I think Tom Hanks is oh. maybe the best guest host in the show's history, and he just came back uh, in November to do it just again. post-election to do it again. Okay. And it was, is the, the best show they've done in several years. And you can find it on Hulu. Okay. That's a Tom Hanks. episode. Yeah. Okay. There was a, there was a sketch that went around. There was a game show. They do a Black Jeopardy sketch. Yeah. I've, and I've seen some clips of that. So it was, it's Keenan Thompson's the host. It was Leslie Jones and I think, uh, uh, Sashir Zameda, who's the other African American woman. And he's a Trump supporter. And he is the third, you know what? And he's giving the exact ha- same answers. Yes. I think I have seen. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it was, it confused me a little bit because I couldn't, I didn't, I had to watch it twice to sort of get the joke. Yeah. Cause it was, it was so, it was almost, <laughs> it was twisted yeah. in such a way where we're like, Wait, what is happening here? And, uh, <laughs> I don't always get the joke. It, uh, sometimes, uh, it was a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah. So Tom Hanks, so he did that one. I, I have seen that sketch. Yeah. And- that's from that show. That whole show is great. It's monologue is him because he's basically America's dad sitting oh, right. down going, how's it going? Oh, nice. I know it's good. He gives America a pep talk. Oh, that's awesome. It's really good. He's, he was also, he's one of those guys, even from the early times hosting, he's one of the, he, you know somebody's a good host when they have their own recurring character, which oh. he did. His was Mr. Short-Term Memory. Okay. Yeah, vaguely. <laughs> but he had his own, he had his own, uh, theme song. Yeah. Which is, uh, was it Mr. Short-Term Memory? Shouldn't have been sitting under that pear tree. He'll meet you yet, but then he'll forget because he's Mr. Short-Term <laughs> Memory. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, it, that would be a good, who else has got recurring besides, uh, Baldwin? Well, uh, Steve Martin had the Fest Drunk Brothers with Dan Aykroyd, the Wild and Crazy Guy. The guys. Wild and Crazy Guy. Yeah. 
That's um, why I thought he was on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Justin Timberlake. He's like a modern – he's one of those Disney uh, Disney kids. He yeah. He came out of the new Mickey Mouse Club, so he knows how to – That's that sort of became in an odd way like kid vaudeville. Yeah. So kids who, who did that knew how to be in a sketch. Yeah. And he just happened to be <laughs> – excuse me – a talented performer. Right. He just happens to be a triple threat. Right. And he gets it. <laughs> yeah. So he's doing – he did – uh the, he had a bunch. He has the the he has one where he's always dressed up in some foam outfit as like a mascot. Yeah, and he sings. So if he's there's one where he's dressed as a giant egg, and he's trying to get people to come to Omelet uh, Omeletville is yeah. the name of the restaurant. Will Farrell or Will Forte is the other guy. Yeah, and he's just singing like "Come for breakfast," and then <laughs> Justin. The sketch is always Justin Timberlake doing. Uh, pop parodies of whatever popular songs and dancing and then always uh, ending with bring it on down to Omelettville. <laughs> and then he did um, Robin Gibb. Yeah. Did the, the Barry Gibb talk show. Okay. Jimmy Fallon playing Barry Gibb is an extremely like violent guy. Yeah. yeah. And he, he's like, welcome to the Barry Gibb talk show. <laughs> that is and a Gibb he, moment. He loses his mind and then he goes to Robin and says, you have anything to add, Robin? <laughs> and Justin Timberlake just goes, no. No, I don't. <laughs> and then they, they'll sing, and because Justin Timberlake's a great singer, he can do all those really high right. harmonies. Yeah, yeah. And then the Dick in a Box guys who had several shorts. Justin Timberlake. All right. Because here's my, you know, Justin Timberlake. When the, uh, another, this, Hal, you're getting a real glimpse. By the way, I'm, I'm here with <laughs> Hal Lublin, uh, at Hal Lublin. Yes. And, uh, the Max Fun Drive is this week for, uh, We've Got This and Tights and Fights. And you're also in Welcome to Nightville. And then yes, you've also and Thrilling got Adventure Hour. And, and surprisingly nice. Right. Thrilling Adventure <laughs> And surprisingly nice. Which, and uh, uh, you can hear me on Venture Brothers season six. What? And Would you um, play on Venture Brothers? I was Wide Whale. What? And a few other characters in season six. I love the Venture Brothers. I do See, too. See, that's where I'm spending all of my television moments. I'm <laughs> you watching. You're fine. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm watching Venture Brothers and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Perfect. And the Great American Bake Off. Uh, oh, so, how is the American version? Because they brought um, one of the British Bake Off hosts. Right. I watched all the Great British Bake Offs. Sure. And then they brought uh, Mary Berry, uh, one of the judges, yeah. to the Great American Bake Off. And um, she is wonderful. Great. And the bakers are worse than the British bakers. <laughs> They're American bakers and they aren't as good at it. And you just want to go, hmm, well. I guess it's going to make America great again. And, uh, people should learn how to maybe make some feel it though. And, uh, so, uh, but uh, it doesn't matter to me because I don't ever want to eat any of the things that the Great British Bake Off make. What right. I love about the Great British Bake Off that they actually did a pretty good job with the Great American Bake Off is, and I speak very fast because I know that we got to get back to uh, SNL, but the, uh, uh, the Great British Bake Off has, uh, everyone's nice to each other. Yes. It's a reality show that isn't, uh, a fucking train wreck yep. of of meanness, and even there's like two or three uh, episodes where people are done early, and they're like, "Do you need any help?" Yeah, to like the co to their to their person to the the person who's their comp- competition, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, just get everyone, just do the best they can, and then go forth yep. into the world <laughs> to be judged." I saw an episode once where some guy who had been proven to be a pretty skilled baker, yeah, had had his ice cream removed from the freezer. It was some ice cream. He had to make like an ice cream structure, and then at the end when they eliminated him, she's like, "Well, I guess um, I thought the my ice cream melted, but wasn't my best uh, effort. But you know, I was just happy to be here and." Uh, yeah. Next time I'll do better. Like you never get that. It's always yeah. like 
These motherfuckers right. hated me. Exactly. That bitch took my ice cream out of the freezer. She I took my ice cream. Kill all of you. Oh, did you see the one where the guy did have a temper tantrum and threw away his thing? No. Yeah, they had to kick him off because he threw away his thing. He's like, well, it doesn't matter, <laughs> thwack. Oh, no. And, uh, and then when Mary Berry and Paul Hollywood, their real names, <laughs> uh, came in to judge, they were like, what happened to yours? He goes, well, I threw it away, so it's fine. I guess I'm done. And uh, and the other, you know, very stiff upper lip British folks are just staring at him, going, "Man, just suck it up. What is the problem?" Yeah. And uh, and he should and he shouldn't have thrown it out, though. He didn't want to hear it. Is what he didn't. He didn't want to hear that that it, that he didn't get it right. Right. And well, none of us want to hear it. <laughs> but, I can't wait for the show that's him in therapy. <laughs> British therapy. <laughs> Mommy threw out all my cakes. <laughs> Justin Timberlake, Steve Martin, Tom Hanks, Uh, Alec Baldwin, Alec Baldwin, Melissa McCarthy, Melissa McCarthy. Now, is she recent? Is it? That's a more recent one, right? She's hosted three times. Okay. Or maybe just twice. And she keeps showing up as uh, Sean Spicer now. Right. Right. I saw a clip of that. Oh, Oh, that's perfect. And um, (laughs) yeah, uh, I am. I could not be a bigger Melissa McCarthy fan. From the Gilmore Girls. Sure. Back in the day. And As, then. Suki, was that her character? Yeah. Suki. Yeah. Suki. Suki. And, uh, she was, she was wonderful. She was, she was a, a, a wonderful human, uh, on that show. She was almost the only adult, uh, and Rory. But, <laughs> uh. She set stuff on fire. Yeah, all the time. A little bit of, she was a bit of a klutz. Yeah. And, uh, it. but then the heat. I don't know if you ever did see the heat. Oh my gosh. Many times. The heat, which is Sandra Bullock panting. To keep up with Melissa McCarthy, yes. finally getting to do the physical comedy. She's because because nobody loves physical comedy. I think more than Sandra Bullock. Oh sure, and, she uh, loves she, it. She really does. Yeah. And in the Heat, do you ever see Midnight Run? Of course. Yeah. yeah. I think of the Heat as sort of a modern day Midnight Run. Yeah. Just you because know? it's a buddy movie that doesn't make that is just it's just ridiculous. I mean. Charles Grodin and, and De Niro are more intellectual, right? Because uh, it or it's less physical, but it's certainly just as crazy to some extent. How would you like to see a, a full remake of Midnight Run with Melissa McCarthy in Robert De Niro's role and uh, Kristen Wiig in Charles Grodin's role? Oh, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Of course you do. Yeah. Of course. Oh you my God. See yeah, I want to see that. It's, uh, and, and who would play, who's the character actor who played the, the other bounty hunter? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I forget. That's Leslie We're, Jones, right? It's Leslie Jones. <laughs> yeah. It is Leslie Jones. Yeah. And, and Charles Grodin's character just going, you guys couldn't find your ass with <laughs> both hands or something like that. I was like, oh my God, it's such a, and Paul Feig. Um, yes. Paul Feig directing it. Brilliant. The only problem I have with, any of the current sort of buddy movies that are like that, these these very uh, big comedies, uh-huh. is that there's always a weird physical scene where someone's throwing up, the tracheotomy scene, yeah. someone loses an eyeball or yes. a tooth, and you're like, unnecessary, unnecessary, all right, not broken, no need to put in some weird gushing... Just make get out. Right. <laughs> make your horror movie, and, yes. and you can and you can have gushing blood all you want. But uh, but so good. I loved the heat. I loved Spy. Yes. I love the great. He- Spy is great. Love the heat better. Still love Spy. Yeah. Love Ghostbusters. Sure. Uh, but then liked old Ghostbusters. Yes. Some people love it. They love old Ghostbusters, and uh, I was like old Ghostbusters. 
Good Ghostbusters. Holds up. Perfectly yeah. good Ghostbusters. New Ghostbusters. More Ghostbusters. Uh, just <laughs> fine. Yes. Um, I was never <laughs> married to fucking Ghostbusters. Right. I, <laughs> Ghostbusters is a probably, is in comedies for me is probably top five movie. However, oh, really? I thought the more recent Ghostbusters mm-hmm. did a better job of setting up why they were doing what they were doing than yeah. the original does. Yeah, it had They're a really- like two great movies. You don't have to- nope. Like why- Just because we have, have the same choose? name. Why, we don't. Like, why are you- You can't- You can be protective of something you love in terms of, please don't find every copy of Ghostbusters that exists and burn it in a fire. Right. It still exists. Yep. Then here's this other thing. Yep. Look, the Star Wars prequels exist. Yep. I still love Empire Strikes Back. Still my second favorite movie of all time. Mad Max Fury Road uh-huh. and The Force Awakens came out within weeks of each other. Yeah. And I tweeted something about how that I kind of like Mad Max Fury Road better than The Force Awakens. Sure. But it didn't mean I didn't love The Force Awakens. And right. Dan Telfer, a comic friend of the show, uh, tweeted back and he said, why would you even compare them? Don't even worry about it. They're both great. Yeah. And just keep keep moving. And I was like, point <laughs> taken. Three points. Well played, Dan Telfer. <laughs> so we feel like we don't have enough room for stuff. Yeah, there's there's room for everybody. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's. Uh, I saw somebody. They said just because if everyone has equal rights doesn't mean that they're taking rights away from you because it's not pie. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't mean there's one fucking pie. Yes. And you don't get a piece of pie. Yes. Everyone gets rights means everyone gets rights. Yeah. And let and, me bring it back to SNL. Please do. Everybody has their favorite cast. Yeah. None of you are wrong. Okay. All they're all all the casts have great moments and shitty moments. Yeah, yeah. The exception of Light Today, which is mostly shitty. There <laughs> right. are definitely and it bad mean those years. Those people are not qualified. Yeah, there are yeah. people going like just didn't work. Yeah, I can't believe they didn't give Anthony Michael Hallmaller a chance. He was a virtuoso. <laughs> that's not that's not happening. But right. all the eras have great stuff in them, so right. everybody can be right. Yep. Until Mark and I uh, covered and we got this and we decide which one once and for all is the oh, best. Oh, fair enough. In which exactly. case it is settled. You have to shut your mouths about it. Yeah, check it in. Check, we got this. Uh, yeah. Check tights and fights. Check surprising. Surprisingly nice. Nice. With Travis McElroy. That's it. Surprising. He's a podcasting magnate. I'm, I'm a guppy yeah. right. compared to both of you. Well, you're like, a, you're a podcasting vet. Well, I'm in the trenches. In for the duration, you guys, and a early, early adopter of yeah. something that doesn't make any money, you guys. Let's do this. <laughs> I, I was not making money before any of you were. Exactly. Making money. It's a, the only person who beats me. Pardo. And, uh, so, Max Fun, Fun Drive, Welcome to Night Vale, yes. Venture Brothers, uh, we got this, Tights and Fights. Turns out, Hal Lublin is working, you guys. Uh, I'm if, trying. And if you go to add Hal Lublin, you'll find out, uh, what, what's happening this one day. Yeah, that's where the skinny is. That's where it all is. And, uh, check out Hal, thank you so much for taking time. This is taking this. too long to schedule. It's my fault. But it's all worked out. But I'm glad that we're here. I'm glad it, we did it. It's wonderful. And Rangers, uh, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?